0: Hey guys and welcome back to another episode of The Natty Scene, I think at least this is what we still call the podcast, it's what it comes up on iTunes but I've done various formats of this uh, this podcast, obviously I've got the episode up yesterday with myself and uh, I did say in that episode that I'd be having a chat with Liam today so I'm very excited to have Liam on the podcast, Uh, Liam is a natural bodybuilder from all the way across the pond in Australia so liam i've been like i said yesterday in the solo podcast i've been following liam uh, for quite some time i believe probably at least two or three years um, initially followed liam through following zach um, and then obviously just took on board the fact that liam had equally as as good of of a physique and uh, a work ethic as zach as well in terms of just what he was doing in the gym Um, because i like personally myself, the reason why I follow people and why obviously I've reached out to Liam is not just like accolades within bodybuilding or just how they look from a physique standpoint, it's, it's what they do in the gym that matters to me as well in terms of whether I, I want to follow them or not and seeing what Liam does in the gym, how he trains um, and just the general approach to things just makes him someone that I, I think people should be following. So that's why I've got, got Liam on the podcast um, Liam to give a brief idea as to where Liam's at right now he's very deep in his competitive season as you can see strong diet face see yeah, my jawline see <laughs> my jawline
1: pretty much a giveaway
0: <laughs> Mate, the cheeks are fucking sunk you can tell from the front let alone the side um, Yep. but yeah honest like yeah Liam's deep in this con- contest season um, we're gonna get a little bit more info on Liam and how his season has gone a little bit later um, but for now Liam like first up thanks very much for coming on and, and giving us a bit of your time
1: mate it's an absolute pleasure i'd like to thank you for pretty much giving me a good lead in already
0: mm-hmm. no worries man um, so for for people that like don't have ever never never heard of you don't follow you on instagram haven't seen anything that you do online um give the listeners a little bit of a sort of insight as to what you do where you come from and sort of yeah what what things look like for you right now Thanks, man. So basically um, where I'm at now, as I'd like to say, I'm a
1: natural bodybuilder um, uh, by heart, and I'm also a strength conditioning coach, uh, which has pretty much built me into the realm or both in hand-in-hand into putting me where I am at current. So I work as a strength conditioning I uh, coach out of a gym in Hold Your Own, which is sort of along the eastern coastline uh, Gold Coast for anyone who's aware of sort of the location in Australia. And uh, I've been working underneath there for a few years now and I do a lot of coaching uh, sort of more 50-50 online basis as well as face-to-face uh, okay. and I enjoy the prospects of both. Uh, that's sort of what I do on the working end of things as a coach. And then as myself, I'm an natural bodybuilder and I've been probably bodybuilding, prop I guess, I've been in the gym since I was a kid like most guys, uh, but doing things properly probably around the three to four year mark and so this is currently my third season in competing so i guess if you take into account my off season probably about four years of actual competing period including my pop prep and then also my off season duration as well
0: sure nice and what what initially got you into the sport Liam? what what got you into the fitness industry like when when did you get started with all of these things that you do now
1: uh, so I guess I sort of followed a bit of a pathway that a lot of um, young male bodyboarders would have, and it was sort of just that uh, competition. I guess uh, you know, going through puberty, getting that testosterone, getting into the gym with your mates, and just that competitive spirit. I always played rugby, uh, was involved in a bit a few sort of martial arts type sports, uh, and that sort of built me into the gym. I, I realised that there was sort of a bit of a carryover effect in doing these strength orientated movements that there was a direct carryover to skill acquisition and performance. So I yeah. uh, literally at school. I started there and from there on in, I just, I guess, screw a bit of a love for the sport that uh, I was there for different reasons than some of my mates. you know, they were sort of there to just train chest and get big guns. Whereas I started to really enjoy the challenges of training and the different aspects that it, uh, it provided. Yeah. So I built, um, from there and then started training more. I was offered by the guy, the local supplement shore guy, uh, Josh Watkin, if you ever watches this, but yeah, he was the guy who first suggested I do a bodybuilding show and, sure. uh, it was very, um, it was very, uh, I guess, good learning experience is the best way to put it. It was only a seven week prep, and um, I guess like you could say that I learned a lot from that, from that prep. Uh, and then as I basically grew, so I finished school. I'm at the end of a exercise physiology degree, uh, which I look to carry on, maybe to two potentially do a master's. So I've got that sort of knowledge background behind me, and. The yeah, the physiology aspects of how that's carried over into training. So as well as my career was building, it was sort of compensating what I was doing in the gym. So, uh, you know, I'm doing sort of towards the end of my my, my degree now, so a lot of practical application uh, and the physiological aspects of that, how that ties into training. It was really interesting because I can literally put it into my own experience and my own coaching. Uh, so yeah, built from there and uh, was lucky enough to go through my sort of first proper comp prep, so to speak, where I was um, coached under Naked Waltz, my current mentor. And um, so went through there. It was quite successful as a teenage bodybuilder and then uh, was lucky enough to be offered a job. So I now work for Hold Your Own and have so for a few years now. And I've just built uh, both my coaching and myself physically and mentally as a bodybuilder to put me where I am now. So, so far, it's been the best uh, season so far um, for me. Yeah,
0: sure. So are you a junior now, Liam? Do you...
1: Correct. Do you yes, yes. So I get, over here, it's a... They've sort of thrown things around a bit. But for us, it's 21 years and under oh, as okay. of the 1st of January for the competitive season. So, okay. for me, because I'm in this year, I turned 22 in August, but I'm still classified as a junior. However, some federations have pushed that to 23. So, uh, yeah, for the for these, the feds that I've been doing is the INBA slash PNBA and the ICN and potentially a third uh, from from where they stand. It's 21 years and under as of January first.
0: Sure, absolutely. So yeah, I mean for, for us over in the UK, it's kind of similar. We have some federations that are like tw- under 21. We have some federations mm. that go up to 23, and then obviously with the the INBA affiliates, we I think actually with the WNBF, they kind of accept anything under 24 um yeah yeah so so yeah you have a wide disparity in this way you can enter but do you do you think that after this uh after the junior season you'll you'll take some time out and, and then go into men's open is that the plan after sort of being successful as a junior because i know that you've had a, a fairly successful year as a junior so far
1: Mate, absolutely i don't plan on bodybuilding again for at least another two years nice. um and there's a few reasons behind that is that, yeah, minimum two to three years. Uh, I guess the first one to touch on is that I've been literally sculpted by my mentor, Nathan And For anyone who knows him, he's very powerfully orientated, and I love Like, I love to start. that how I train. Uh, yeah. I've really really enjoyed that and actually leading into this prep I wanted to do a powerlifting meet and I was actually Programming everything towards that for a good uh, 15 weeks wow. and I was potentially not even going to bodybuild. I was like, I want to powerlift. I just loved training sure. and Obviously that they go so hand-in-hand hand, it was smart because theoretically I was like Well if I bodybuild the best thing I can do prior to starting my prep is just train my ass off So I was like alright, I'll go with the headset of that So that's the biggest goal is I want to do some powerlifting meets um, And I guess for me, it's I think Coming out of comp prep, it's a really cool change in mindset because, you know, once you get to the griddly end of prep and stay there for a while, mentally you're kind of looking for something a bit different to focus on. So mm. that's the main reason. Um, and, yes, yeah, secondly, like you say, I won't be a junior anymore, so I'll be stepping up against opens and I don't want to come on with, you know, a physique that's only a kilo heavier. I'd like to really push my standard and really bring something new to stage. So that's going to take as an natural bodybuilder a few years and obviously of hard training. And um, not to mention, I can find some more balance in my lifestyle at the same time.
0: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. That makes total sense. And that's something that, you know, for people that follow me, they understand as to why I'm taking two years out. It's a simple fact of needing to make improvements for the next step up. You know, a lot of people underestimate how many how much improvements you do have to make from stepping up from a junior level to a men's open level, um, especially with how good the men's open is getting now. Um, even over here Absolutely. in the UK, we've just had some of our British finals and I, I went and watched because um, I have clients in it, et cetera, But you know, this, the standard is, is just ridiculous. Like some of the guys, in my opinion, and I've seen like a world final, I've seen WMBF worlds. I've seen some guys in the lightweight lineup and, they like They wouldn't even place in an amateur British, and they're they're 100%. a w, they're a WMBF pro. So you know, it's yeah. not to say it's not to say that it's easy to get your card there, but I would say that there's there's some easier routes to get a pro card in the in the states than there perhaps is in both Australia and in. That's um, one. Yeah, one hundred
1: percent the same here. Um, yeah, I've noticed that a lot, and I guess that for me is why I've still continued as an amateur at this stage because. Yes. I don't, um, I'd like, I'm going to these cause I'm going to the Olympia in three weeks time. So for me, that's sort of personally, that's where I feel like I'll shape up and decide as to whether I feel like qualified to be, um, a pro. And that's just my personal opinion. You know, um, yeah. there's some federations out there without naming names that it's almost like you just get it on when you get your number. It's like when you get the number for your trunks and say they hang your pro code at the same time. It's just, awesome. it's, um, I guess it's a bit upsetting because they're from, what i see as a pro and from the names when i when someone says pro bodybuilder i have um you know names pop into my mind and that's standard compared to what's currently coming to the forefront is there's a gap there is a big big gap and i don't think there should be you know it should be and pro and it should be pretty distinguishable you should be army um, e and iron and if that person's a pro or not. yeah
0: so, i think when someone yeah. gets their pro card they should be at a point where they've earned it so that they can literally transition into pros and do very, very well, as opposed to being in a spot where they've got a pro card and they're going to come last in every pro show they do. Like That's just an awful waste of time and you should probably be an amateur. I'd rather be an amateur for longer than, than... can compete and do awful as a pro. Um, at least that's my. Opinion.
1: Absolutely, one hundred percent for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same. Good I know coach. when my coach Nate um, got his pro card, he had to go all the way to the Olympia and win as an amateur Sick. before he was even yeah. considered to be offered a pro card. And, uh, and in my mindset, I'm like, that's what it should be. Yeah. um So. Yeah. yeah.
0: Sweet. So moving on to sort of a bit of your uh, sort of approach to things how you're program i know that you mentioned very very briefly with some of your powerlifting programming and I, and I can expect that you still enjoy a lot of those big basic movements when you're prepping and obviously in the off season as well but for the listeners just give us a, a general sort of idea as to how you approach training right now perhaps just run us through sort of how your week looks and how you generally like to program things for yourself um, or obviously with Nathan's help throughout contest prep, if there's any sort of special considerations you take into account for either frequency, volume, intensity, exercise selection. Just give us a general wrap-up on, on your current thoughts of training right now when you are prepping.
1: Mm. Well, I guess um, the past few weeks is, is pretty boring. I won't go into too much detail because I'm back-to-back. Back. Yeah, yeah so, so I don't it. do much. It's actually... Uh, uh, it's boring as uh the only reason being is because i've just got only six days between show i'm not going to go balls out and then um you know be holding shoes how, so, how you, how, for, the,
0: for the listeners they might find it interesting like how do you approach peak week training so what what so when's are you are you competing this weekend and when's the show what, correct
1: what, yeah yeah what i compete day? in two days time I to Melbourne.
0: okay cool so how so how yeah. have you planned out this week to approach that
1: so essentially, I guess the dynamic or the focus of a peak week changes. You know, so we're not yes, we're not uh, necessarily looking at progressive overload, looking at increasing your lifts, looking at you know training to failure, um, you know, performing X amount of a given part of a meso block or whatever it may be. It's more so you physically need to look better. So for me, it's about, for most, it's about glycogen shuttling. So we're trying to sustain an adequate volume to ensure that most variables such as keeping in a deficit and everything else remain the same. But obviously, you're tailoring your nutrition quite dynamically. So for me, I run, at the moment, it's more of a hybrid to backload. We want to touch on that later. Uh, And around those training days, I need to ensure that sort of the movements I'm performing are hopefully providing the most optimal opportunity for my muscles to take in and absorb that glycogen so they look so that means that it's literally kind of like focus on the squeeze focus on the pump um you know like time under tension stuff uh you know rp of nothing over sort of six so training pretty pretty light and moderate and it also allows for some really good recovery as well so when i train legs how i normally train legs i'm literally trying to destroy myself I train as hard as I possibly can and the recovery aspect of that can be up to you know 72 hours yeah. when you're in a massive calorie deficit your body's going to struggle to recover that for for that so I guess you have to look at as well what your recoverable capacity is uh, when you're in such a big calorie deficit and what's actually going to be sustainable to make you look good. And that is the focus of the peak week is just getting tailoring those last sort of minor tweaks so that you look your best on stage and i think an important thing to touch on as well is listening to um a podcast i think it was like jeff niffard uh, basically it, there's more of a significant impact on a peak week the more conditioned someone is so if someone's not in conditioned, condition ready for stage all those variables that i've kind of touched on may not actually have as be given effect whereas sometimes people look heavily or less upon a peak week i think it is really individual depending on the the athlete themselves and what how lean they are
0: yeah sure absolutely have you have you ever out of interest have you ever run a peak week where you simply don't really change training and and you just take the last few days backing off or have you always um, have you always th- done like rpe6 training and backed off like considerably
1: it's funny. I think the further I've got into my preps, I think in about six shows now, I've trained harder and harder and harder leading into my shows. Um, I, a multitude of reasons. I think the first one is because I've been because I've improved and I'm in a really good mindset. It's I struggle to train light uh, because yeah, I've so- just spent two years trying to trying to train. To, to teach myself to train as hard as I possibly can. Yeah. So a lot of the time i probably finish a set and be like, well, it was probably a bit hard. I know now I'm a bit worried because my adductors are still fried and I've got to get on stage in two days. Yeah, yeah. So I guess i train, um, I definitely train. So let's say that a show's on a Saturday. Um, Monday, I always train legs at the start of the week and I'll go pretty heavy. Uh, or I guess you could say I could go pretty intense. I just be careful of my volume that I'm accumulating in that session. So I keep it pretty much to an hour. I keep the intensity up, Um, I keep my sets relatively high, but I guess it's just my working intensity or working percentages of my 1RM are pretty low. So I'm just accumulating still a decent amount of volume, but I'll still push myself pretty hard. Um, But I'm not gonna do crazy stuff like, you know, four sets of 50 leg, um, sorry 50 rep leg press sets that I've done last season because I'm just not going to be able to recover. Then the closer I get towards the end of the week. So for example, tomorrow will be my last um, sort of training day before my show. And that'll be following two high days of food and I sort of taper it back down to moderate day. It's literally just 30 minute like push pull sort of pretty light. And I will go pretty light on that day because it is the day before a show um so yeah i guess you could sort of look at it as like a downward slopes linear progression so the training intensity is relatively high at the start of the week and then it will taper off back um but i'm not sort of like oh i nearly get too sore well I'll cut it right there so i've found that i've enjoyed training hard enough leading to shows but i do sort of put a bit of a handbrake on where necessary
0: sure and do you um at any point train on like the show day itself? Do you get up in the morning and get a, a light pump on or anything like that? Or do you just completely rest on the show day? Uh, light
1: pump on with sort of my main meals. So like yeah. literally I'd probably do just a little, I literally do like a five minute circuit. So okay. uh, my first meal, I normally get up and have um, sort of some, you know, some sugar, some quickly breaking down food with some sodiums for yep. so this first thing in the morning. And it's literally like I probably do a little circuit of a few, normally I'm in a hotel room or somewhere. Yeah. Um, I've normally got some resistance bands, a few push uh, a few sort of cable pulls and I probably just do a little circuit of nothing over 10 minutes and I'm literally just trying to sort of get warm and I'll eat that with my food and I drink a lot of water as well. So I'll be smashing the water around that.
0: Um,
1: I just, I just drink a lot of water. I always look better with more, more water and um, so I just start to hydrate myself as well. Um, and yeah, normally do that my main meal. So, you know, Potentially up to three times before I'm on stage, and then I pump up pretty hard right before stage. Um, I'll go pretty hard before I get on stage.
0: Yeah, cool, wicked. So yeah, that's generally how I, I approach things. I wouldn't do things much differently than that. So, um, and I've covered some things on peak week before, so I'm sure people are, are nicely confirmed with the the approach being fairly similar. At the end of the day, like um i've talked about this before as well with peak weeks it's just about like if you're in shape then you don't really want to do too much differently especially on the on the day itself like keeping your routine um like you said you know you like the water keep the water coming in a lot of a lot of people make the mistake of and still make the mistake even though it's been reiterated so many times that you shouldn't really be changing stuff they still think that something being Mm. changed is going to make them look better when in reality it's probably going to make them look probably slightly worse yeah um it might improve them 100%. By a percent, but the risk the risk level is just so much so much greater than than that percent you gain. um so yeah. out, outside of that sort of training ac- across like a normal week um are you mm-hmm. are you running a pushable leg split are you running up a lower split what's your general approach to that right now and and what do you tend to like to do in an off season as well so I generally run
1: um, a phase of macro and micro blocks um, sure. sort of over at the 12 week duration yeah. and um, basically going, so, so so talking from the outside in. I'll start with somewhere like a 12-10-8 rep undulation down to a 10-8-6 down to an 8-6-4. So obviously with that, um, so there's increased intensity of the working sets. I generally find the best way or the best sort of split I can handle personally is a three upper two lower. So that sort of is spread out over the week, five days training, two days rest and two of those being lower body dominant, three of them being upper body dominant. Now I undulate the days, I undulate the days with my working percentages. So there's always a light, moderate, heavy day. Uh, So obviously there only being two of the leg days. One of them is like a light slash moderate and the other day is heavy. So I'll program different types of movements. On that specific day. So, taking leg day for example, if I'm doing my moderate slash light day versus my heavy day, on my moderate slash light day, I'll do more of my accessory type movements. I always start the squat, squat and deadlift, um, but I'll generally try and do a variation if I can. So, I could switch into a high bar squat when I not normally watch squat low bar. I'd put, I could potentially do like a front squat. Um, there's multiple multiple ways, or I could potentially. Do a safety bar squat, whatever I'm sort of feeling like I want to do. Sometimes if I'm just feeling like my squats go really good, I won't actually do an accessory movement on my squats. And then for my deadlifts, I'll also do an accessory deadlift. So that could be like a block ball, a deficit deadlift. Um, what's the other ones? And yeah, like a, a rack ball oh, yeah, or something like that. Cool yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 Um, or an RDL, a heavy like touch and go deadlift, something that's an accessory movement. And then on my heavier leg day, it's just a pure raw squat. And uh, the reason being is because that's going to be a working percentage. That's greater. So therefore I'm going to be lifting more weight. I want to be able to replicate that movement better when the weight is heavier. because like I said, I intend on powerlifting one day. So, uh, there's for me, I want to have a strong, a really strong back squat for a smaller amount of repetitions. I don't really necessarily want a strong front squat for reps of 12. Uh, but that's a great way to accumulate volume. But for me, when those reps are smaller, I do want to ensure that I'm performing the movement necessary, that I want to get that. Uh, and I always perform done in that order as well. Reason being is because I like training myself, approaching a deadlift bar fatigued, because when I hopefully do step on a platform one day, I need to get used to coming out to a deadlift platform being fatigued, not fresh. Um, and then I'll also throw in a lot of accessory movements after those sort of big spine compound movements. And that again, depends on where my focus is. So this off, off season, it's been very hamstring orientated. So a lot of hip hinge stuff. Um, and towards the end of my prep, I started doing a lot of glute stuff because I was a bit worried about my glutes coming in and they were pretty slow. They're sort of of there now, sort of. Uh, and so I started doing just keep it here, hip hinge movements and I'm very compound orientated. Um, yeah. You'll never see me doing like a, um glute kickback or, mm. or much much of the isolated stuff. I'm yeah. pretty much I um, and then I, I guess I've had a few little niggles in, in through my off season, which everyone experiences. And I found the more isolated movements actually cleared them up. So things like leg curls and stuff, I ended up just cutting out all together and just started throwing more volume in like Romanian deadlift variations, okay. um, you know, lunges and, and ul, ul, yeah, movements like that. I found yep. that, yeah, for me, just, just worked better. Sure. Uh, and I liked the dynamic approach on it as well. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like the compound movements like have had an effect on – your physique and the way that it looks like, do you think that uh, the the fact that you've done a lot of compound movements and you're fairly strong, do you think that that affects the the amount of sort of muscle density and maturity that you have at a relatively young age? I
1: would like to say yes without sounding like I'm blowing smoke in my eyes, but I look at a lot of my fellow um, mentors and guys that I train with and I, I like look at Zach, for example, and Nathan. And I know Nathan moment mentor like, he was, think it was, 90 kilos on stage or something. Um, on stage, and and he was like dice. It's yeah, like that's that's, that's a heavy weight to be on stage. Yeah. Uh, and who's for someone who's really really lean? That is a lot of weight. I uh, know I'm talking kilos. Not sure if that is pounds. Um, so that's that's heavy. The density that you then see as a bodybuilder uh, when you're going through things like your symmetry rounds and stuff. Everything just looks full and tight. It's just like you can't find a flaw in someone. um, I feel, and I do believe there is definitely correlation to how someone trains compared to the dude who goes in and just does his bicep curls and then his leg extensions. You know, sing, you know, whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I found the better you can put, like, if 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 I can teach, I know from coaching experience, if I can teach a client to squat really, really, really well. Chances of them performing any other movement on their legs is just about like ninety-nine percent. I could say, okay, now I want you to go to a half squat, and they just won't I wanna tell them anything and they're already bracing, sitting so, you know, breaking their hips, getting their knee, you know, their knee alignment well. Uh, everything just seems to carry over. So I just think there's such a good carryover to them performing all your movements better. So you're gonna be trained better. Uh but yeah, I definitely agree with big compounds. I think they're 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 key. They're key.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's not something that we can always say. Cause means correlation, but it like when you look at yeah, the yeah. the physiques that that are presented at the level that that we're looking at, and then you look at how they train, there tends to to, yeah. to be a correlation. Like some of the best natural bodybuilders in 100%. the world are extremely strong. They're either extremely strong yeah. or extremely gifted. Um, and yeah. you know, yeah. usually, if you get an extremely strong guy and an extremely gifted guy, then you get a fucking freak um so that's what yeah, gonna, yeah yeah gotta appreciate that um moving a, a bit away from training and and moving more so to sort of nutrition i know that i've commented on on a few of your approaches already in terms of how you set up sort of moderate high and, and low days and things like that in, in terms of your week and i find that quite interesting i think some of the listeners would as well so what's your approach to nutrition in a contest prep phase um did it always look like moderate high and low days from the start, or did you slowly introduce that after running a phase of linear calories? Like, how has things looked to, as a, uh, over the course of your prep? Metabolically, I'm a very
1: interesting person, um, to, yeah. to say the least. So I had a good um, reverse diet in my last off-season, and managed to work my food up. I think my macros were somewhere around 225 proteins, 710 carb, and 110 fat. So it was like, okay. it was That's an eating contest. I would not wish, it was harder than prep itself. Like low it was day, yeah. nearly, nearly, nearly five hours hour. yeah, um, Now I'm happy to, to express my macros. My low days, I'm at 200 carb, 30 fat and 215 protein. So oh, that's like the gap there to put it in perspective. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Now, obviously that's, I'm just talking the upper and lower quartiles. So like you mentioned, I don't, I'm not on, you know, there's, it's not linear. So there is, there is undulations in between. Uh, so in my off season, obviously when my food was that high, there was no necessity. I didn't see the necessity to have a refeed, Uh, but I did drop my food on my low days by around 60 carbohydrate, with work out, which worked out to a few hundred calories. I just didn't see the need to be consuming that additional calories. I've probably still still in a surplus and I was not training for two to three hours. So I didn't really need to have that um, extra extra form of glucose I felt. Okay. Then basically we started dieting uh, because we were on so much food, we were able to cull some food pretty hard. I think my first food drop was you know, so sub 400 calories. And um, then it was just like clockwork work for the first half of my prep. It was like, I literally go in, my skin folds are moved, my weight was down on target. But, like didn't really need to do anything. I think for the first 10 to 12 weeks of my prep, we pulled my food four times or something. Nice. It was just a walk in the park. Yeah. yeah. Then things started. And um, I converted from basically... You know, a Mustang to a Prius, and I got really economical. And my body's like, all right, we're losing weight. We gotta, we gotta start holding back here. Uh, and I found things, yeah, start to stall. So we, my weight and skin folds were stalling a little bit. So we had to be a bit more aggressive with that through drops. And when that sort of started, back, when we started implementing high days. So, high day meaning is that we sort of found a ballpark. Understanding that if my body can handle 700 grams of carbohydrate, we'd find somewhere close to there. Uh, but there's no metabolic set point. So, you know, I'm probably not more now sitting down at the bottom of where my metabolism is adapting. It's trying to be pretty economical. It's not sort of up the top here. So I think I was refeeding it somewhere around 600 carb to begin with. Yeah. Um, with a little bit more fat on that day. And we always run two two to three day refeeds. It was at that point, it was two-day refeeds. And um, and then basically back down training day macros, and then there was also a little bit of calorie, like buffer I like to call it on my rest days were a little bit less. That was around the 50 gram mark. So I guess that getting, getting the gaps between the high, moderate, low were we'll sort of squinted together now. Sure. Uh coming towards the tail end of my prep, things pretty much progressed in that manner. So I, I had a high, moderate low day. Uh, however, they were just more. Uh, they were just less. So my my average weekly caloric intake was less, and that we just did that proportionally to what we thought was necessary in that week. So if I didn't move as much weight in skin folds, there was a big calorie drop on average. If it was less, we were able to hold back a bit. But we pretty much had to pull food every week uh, to get me to get me sort of lean. And even for my first show, I, yeah, I've kinda I've still lost a fair bit of weight, and my skin folds have still moved a fair bit since that first show. So uh, that's that's pretty much a summary, I guess. It's just very interesting to note the dynamic that can happen with someone metabolically. So I compare myself to one of my mates who competed along with me and he doesn't get his food anywhere near as high as me in his off season and for the first half of prep he's like, Oh don't you know, don't don't whinge, don't complain so much food and then all of a sudden I hopscotch and I was eating less than him and I had to start implementing hit training um, to get my body to move and he didn't have to diet as low so some people's upper and lower quartile of you know of, you know I guess the rough bottom and sky high with that calorie intake is is you know smaller and some people's is larger and for me I find it's larger and to get lean I just have to really pull my food yeah. so and then the off season I can just get it really high again it's yeah. it's not to say I'm a better or worse bodybuilder
0: it's just how I'm put together. You're just more adaptive to to the response.
1: Yeah, I'm adaptive, and it's funny, you know, the starter prep wasn't adaptive, but now my body's just like, well, okay. I I think potentially it might have been because I got my food so high, so it just took a while for my body to just be like, ah, it's all right, we still don't need that food, you are still eating 600 carbs a day, no stress. And then it started to come down, and my training, and I, I was still feeling great by then, so my progressive overload of my training was still pretty significant, so there was still a big energy gap in there. Uh and then I found that it sort of things just start to slow up and start to get a bit harder and um now yeah, really pushing pushing on.
0: Sure, sure. Awesome. So yeah, I, I think that's a pretty cool comparison so sort of uh, for, for competitors to realise. I think a lot of people get worried when their food gets low and the reality is like a lot of the time it's what you've gotta do. I've said this, you know, multiple times in yeah. terms of the fact that you don't worry about where your macros are at worry if you're getting the job done or not and if you need to lose weight then you need to you need to do the necessary to to get the weight off and whether that's going down to it's you know some people have to go sub 1500 calories as a male competitor and like that's Mm. yeah it's it's tough but sometimes you have to do that to get the fat off and that's just that's just the case of of natural bodybuilding um and then sometimes yeah, you see those those competitors that get Sometimes sub-1500, sometimes they work up their calories super-duper high in an off-season. And that's, that, that's it. Um, I think that it's, it's difficult for you guys that do have more of an adaptive metabolism because you know when you're in your off-season, it's super difficult to actually get it up and, and keep it up and, and eat enough to grow. Fitting 710 mm. grams of carbs in, in a day and just trying to fit that around all your work, your, your, your studying and all of that. Could probably be at a bit it of a nightmare. So like, hard. Yeah. So yeah, um, man, that was. I'm trying to keep gut health and things like infection. that
1: in spot. Like, yeah, uh, it was a terrible time. Uh, I, I, I will, I think I don't think I'll actually. I ended up pulling my food a little bit early. It's my prep because it was starting to affect my affect my training so yeah tell me Like I was man. constantly, I couldn't squat without feeling like I was just. Like you're going to be. Like It was not a hot. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure my. My breakfast smoothie that I used to have uh, in my off season was like way higher than my daily food intake, of, like way higher.
0: Oh, so it, yeah,
1: it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. But uh, honestly, it's easier. It's it's easier now dieting because it's yes. just you know you can't just look at, it at the clock and I can eat again. Whereas then it's, I didn't eat every two hours, and that's probably the only time I really I'm really worried about food timing. I was like, oh oh, I'm in trouble. Yeah. I'm gonna have five minutes pushing together Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: No not good. So, what's no. the uh, what's the plans for the rest of the season in terms of uh, competitive like competitive shows? I know that you said you have got the Olympia coming up. Uh, um, is that in Vegas? Is that in Vegas the amateur Olympia? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's something I never, I never would have thought at the start of my prep would have taken me this far. So I've decided to really, um, just take the opportunity on board. So I, um, so yeah, I qualified, um, at the, the INBA universe, which was held relatively local to me, about an hour's drive. So qualified there to go over to the natural Olympia in Las yep. Vegas, yep. um, at the Rio hotel. And that's in three weeks time. So yeah, I have, um, the Australian titles here, which is in two days. Um, I'll see how I shape up there. And then I have one more show in between, and then I'll fly out to Vegas um, to compete for them. Um, as a junior so that's that's a, um, I'm so excited for that like it's going to be I'm just so so keen I never would have ever considered to be able to go to that standard and represent hold myself there so it's something I wouldn't have thought I would have done till I was not a junior anymore you know completely in open so I guess it's for me it's more of an opportunity than anything else and I think it'd be a really good way to finish this season for me because I know I won't compete um, again for a little bit of a while yeah. Um, so yeah that'll be my, my final show before I look to wrap it up and um, I'm, I sort of booked a bit of a holiday and stuff because mentally I sort of, I'm a big believer of sort of setting time frame and rewards and stuff. And yeah. when it gets to the end of prep, it's a really good incentive for you when things do get hard to sort of just, just keep t- ticking on and staying progressive because um, I see a lot of people, uh, I guess, just drop the ball in that, like, between that, that, until that last show and they kind of get on stage looking their worst on that last yeah. show. And it's unfortunate because, I mean, that's where you should be your best. And I think there's lots of factors you can include, and I guess as a coach, it's one thing I sort of try and, if I can, predict for a client as to when it's probably going to be a good time to find out and and acknowledge that timeframes are really important, and and pleasure and reward is a very good as a very good way of keeping someone. Um adherent and I guess looking ensuring that they're improved. So they don't get up there on their last time. I feel as though if I did any more shows after to the Mentally, I'm, I'm, I've told myself that's still where I'm finishing. And yeah. I know that I wouldn't put in a hundred percent from there. On, and that's not what I'm about. I'm, I'm about, yeah, I'm about reading chapters at once and flipping the page, not trying to do two things at once. So yeah. yeah.
0: How long, how long was your prep in total since the start?
1: Oh man, it's a long time. So I did 28 weeks to my first show. Sounds like mine. So I think I'm about 35 weeks. I'd be the mid-30 weeks in, and then I've got another four till. So it'd be about 40 weeks Yeah, yeah, in in total. I did like 40. It's a long time. Yeah.
0: You get used to it. Yeah, it's nearly a whole year. You get so used to it. Yeah, exactly.
1: You get used to it, um, but I guess it's it's more towards um, and for me, I, I was initially surrounded by my prep. by a lot of people were preparing with me as well, and um, obviously people find you to know, finish. I'm lucky that I don't have any commitments. You know, I'm single and no family, and um, I guess nothing tying some people back. Where you know they obviously. I have to take that into consideration and may not be able to compete for as long but for sure. me I don't so I guess I sort of feel like a bit of a lone wolf which in which in a way is really cool because it's not a team sport really and it's towards the end when things get really nitty-gritty that you really discover a lot about yourself and that's and I'm sort of fine I've sort of found that this week and it's like the harder it gets the more I kind of enjoy it i'm like all right this is where i'm really just a lot about myself as a yeah. human being and what like yeah. my comfort zone is here and now i'm sort of moving into this line and I, you, you learn a lot about yourself Love and it. that's yeah. why honestly i do the sport is yeah. because yeah. of the character it builds you and i know that it, the dynamic of it just transfers into every other area of life and i know that leading to my off season i've built i can think out of the same and am trying to this off season because i feel like I myself mentally even though i'm years, like your fear. so yeah. yeah I think it's a really
0: important thing yeah yeah I agree I, I wholeheartedly I think the further and the deeper you get into it the more you learn stuff about yourself that you you know you wouldn't you can't ever learn in any other phase it's just a, it's, it's an odd environment in which yeah. you learn like what what you what you're capable of um both mentally and physically yeah. so yeah it does it does also massively transition into your off season i can i can hold that hold that up to you as well because the my training has transformed since i went through that prep uh i just if i i approach like sets thinking if it if if i can do that prep and that length and stay that lean for that long then i can pull this or i can yeah this. like it just it just gives you that extra level of confidence in your training which is obviously fantastic um cool man so yeah yeah so that's pretty much um what i wanted to ask you overall in terms of um your where you're at with your coaching uh, i know that you do online work uh, are you coaching competitors as mostly online or do you or do you coach sort of yeah. anyone online like how do you sort of tend to schedule that at the moment
1: I take anyone, anyone online, um, I have a multitude of clients, so nice. I, I enjoy it. Cause like I say, cause I'm at the end of an exercise physiology degree, I actually have a big passion for, um, I guess, you know, working with people who are injured mm. and limited and not looking to compete at all. So sure. I guess that's what a lot of my face, I do a fair bit of face to face, fair bit more in my off season. I really enjoy face to face hands on stuff. Um, and then I also do a fair bit of comp prep. I've had a few good, uh, female competitors run through this year, nice. uh, and they've all done relatively well in multitude of federations. Um, and I also do male bodybuilders as well. I've got a few guys that are not competing now, but uh, reason being is because I've They've learned the importance of an off season, start, so pushing them into an upcoming season. But yeah, I really do enjoy um, the dynamic of coaching people. I like to work with people who are up to sort of you know baseline and and that, and that injured or, or I guess more challenged, so to speak, area, and then above and beyond people who who are fit and ready to go and keen to step on stage. So I do yeah about a fair bit of online work and then a fair bit of face to face. And the more I've got into my prep, the more online I've found I've been doing just because I've started to reach out or a few people start to reach out from me who aren't exactly super local to us so at hold your own yeah
0: perfect awesome and how can can people get in touch with you if, if they're interested in your services or or want to inquire a little bit more as to what you offer like can they reach you on instagram if you've got an email you've got a site what's what's uh, the best way to get to you
1: yeah so they can either um Contact me through my email is best and that's just Liam L I A M at holdyourown.com.au. AU. Uh, so that's that's the that's the gym that I work for under like I said head, head coach Nathan Wallace. You can also search uh holdyourown.com.au, and that comes up with their website uh, and basically our coaching facility there or my Instagram account, which is just Liam Bigot. Liam underscore bygot I think B Y G so.
0: some wicked stuff so i'm sure you'll you'll get a a few new people on board and, and following the rest of your prep so that'll be great for them to follow um and yeah other than that dude like thank you very much for coming on it's been a a nice brief chat and a synopsis as to where you're at and uh interesting for me to learn especially about your studies as well like how you combine all of that with with your prep is it's very Yeah, important. I encourage everyone.
1: I encourage every single person to study. I don't care That's how correct. busy you are, what you're doing, what your goals are. I think everyone should study. It's one thing that I've learned. I've always been studying. I came straight out of school, straight into a degree, nice. is that your brain is like a muscle. Like, yeah. like stress it, train it, and it gets better, and it gets bigger, and it will build you, and especially people – in this industry that I've worked for, the people who who are studying are so much better coaches. Yeah. Uh, you just become—it's like anything else. It's like a muscle. If you don't train it, it's not going to do anything. It's just going to deteriorate. Your brain will do the same. So um, I ch- I encourage people to, to build and learn. It doesn't matter. Doesn't have to be a degree of some sort. It can be something big or large, whatever it is. I yeah, really highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, that's that's cool. That's that's really really cool, dude. I think, you know, the the the, the way in which you can learn like nowadays obviously some people at ground level can learn from like, you know, very, very basic stuff. and um, we constantly adapt with that, but, you know, obviously at the higher end studying and doing degrees, etc., like that is, is, is a great way to challenge yourself. Um, and it's, yeah. and it's so flexible. Yes. Yeah. 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 It is nowadays. It's crazy. You can do it so remotely that, you can crack on with a degree, still, still, still coach and, and do things like that. So it's fantastic for sure. Um, so yeah, dude, thank you very much for your time. Um, I appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Best of luck with the, the upcoming days leading into your show and then obviously leading in, into the Olympia. Um, I'm sure if yeah. I'm ever in Australia, I will definitely try and visit hold your own. Um, yeah, well I'll be, I'll be in LA actually when you're at the
1: IMBS show. So I will are, be are you in touch across? and we might have to organize this session. Fine. yeah i am i am so because that's where my holiday will fall so ah, um i will sick. be in touch with you on dates and stuff so yes. i might even come watch the i i'd like to come watch the imbf because i considered um actually competing for him but was uh, just going to be a little bit difficult with the pre-qualifications coming uh, Yeah, yeah pre-qu- pre qualified so close to the show sure. so i will be in la so we'll have to untouch um, for epic
0: yeah that'll be very very good i'm sure people will be game for a a collab and hopefully by that point you'll have gained a little bit and you'll be feeling much definitely better oh, <laughs> looking looking at the buffet that's where i'm staying i
1: might be a kilo or two heavy yeah. right the stage these cheeks might be a little bit fluffier, but fluffy we'll I, I intend on having another reverse die as it's yeah, a good opportunity to improve again so yeah of course
0: cool man well thank you very much again have a, a good evening good rest of your rest of your night and uh i'm sure that we'll stay in touch and we'll we'll chat soon man thank you very much
1: absolutely mate thanks for getting up so early and um i really 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 appreciate you having me on it means a lot for me so i hope to potentially hook up some more stuff in the future if you ever have it me
0: yeah absolutely dude no i appreciate it cool thanks for watching guys as usual share this on your story share it with your friends i'm sure that some of liam's uh, friends and, and family and people will watch this um and also obviously my followers, go and follow Liam. He's a great guy to follow. He'll be awesome to follow in his off season as well, documenting his lifts and his progress. Um, So yeah, thanks guys. And we'll see you in the next episode. See you in a bit. Bye.